0: We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 13, if you'll find your place here, Numbers 13. It's been said that our vision for the future comes out of our vision of God. We get a vision of God from His Word. We're to see Him through eyes of faith high and lifted up. If you'll study this passage of scripture, you'll, be reminded that God's people were on the verge of crossing over into the land of promise there at Kadesh Barnea, and uh, they s- sent 12 spies in to come back and give them a report as to what the challenge was and the lay of the land, but also the people and whether or not they were match for those people. And they came back, these spies did, in Numbers 13 and verse 27, and they said, we came to a land Whether thou sendest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. They said, wow, there's some good things there. But nevertheless, and I want you to underline that. There will always be a nevertheless in your life. Everything that's good in life always has a negative when it comes to the circumstances of this life. There's always an upside, but there's always a downside. There's always good to be had. There's always bad to be dealt with and navigated. Nevertheless, by the way, there will always be those who tell you the good, but they are glad to report on the bad or the negative. And they said the people there, they're strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. These were those that they viewed as giants according to verse 33. And this word is not just that they were big in stature, though they were, they were tall and they were large and they were strong, they were uh, just imposing upon them, but they were also tyrants is the word. They were bullies. They were vicious and vindictive people. You didn't mess with them. And it's like, wow. <laughs> when they heard about that, they said, we're no match for these People. Notice the Bible says in verse 30 And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. And as they shivered and as they quivered in their boots, there, as it were, he said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Underline that we are well able. Our God is with us. Our God is greater than these giants. Though greater than us, not greater than our God. He said, we're well able. And they said, oh no, no, no. In verse 31, we are not able to go up against the people. We're not able. Would you underline that? I want to tell you, there's some things you can't do, I can't do. We're not able We're not sufficient but our God is able. My challenge to you tonight, behold the Lord afresh through eyes of faith, the great God of heaven who is able, the God with whom there is nothing too hard, there is nothing impossible. You've got great opportunities right here as a local church, amazing doors that God has opened up. A cause greater than yourself, but not greater than your God. You say, preacher, how are we going to do this? Well, some things we know, some things we don't know. That's the joy of living by faith, right? We're trusting God. We're praying. We're plotting. We're planning. We're mapping it all out. But where we come up short, there is a God in heaven who steps in on our behalf and makes up the difference. Isn't that wonderful? I want to tell you, we're serving the great God tonight. He hears and answers the prayers of his children. He's faithful to us even when we are weary or when we struggle or when we grapple along life's journey. I want you to hold your place here, but turn with me over to Isaiah 38. I want you to see this in Isaiah 38. You remember King Hezekiah told him that he was going to die or was told by Isaiah the prophet. So he humbled himself and prayed unto the Lord in verse 2. And God said that I've heard thy prayer and seen thy tears in verse 5. And he said, I'm not only going to extend your life by 15 years, but I'm going to deliver you and this city against the enemies that are coming against you. The prayer that he prayed is rehearsed in verse 9 and following. The prayer that God heard. But this really stood out to me and I want you to take this because it'll help you the rest of your life between here and heaven. In verse 14, the latter part, he says, O oh Lord, I am oppressed. I'm pressed upon. I've got some big giants in my life. I've got some great challenges. I've got some things that are far beyond my capacity, Lord. I'm oppressed, I'm distressed, I'm anguished, I'm underneath it, I'm heavy laden, weighted down, Lord. I'm oppressed, undertake for me. Would you underline that? I remember years ago, we were going through a building program and boy was I oppressed. And I remember at night, sometimes I would lay awake at night and I would say, Lord, undertake for me. God, would you come through for me? Would you help us? Lord, we need you. This is not something that we can figure out and do of our own accord. Lord, we need you, please help us. And as I study this word, I want you to make a note of this, if you will. The thought here is twofold. It's to braid as to intertwine or to, in essence, become a part of. Think about it. It's, Lord, I invite you into this situation with me. I want you to become a part of this, and I want you to help me with this. I want us to work together, Lord, toward your solution, toward what you have that I don't have undertake for me. It also has the thought of to be surety for, as in a guarantor or a cosigner. Do you know what a cosigner does? A cosigner goes to the bank and says, Mr. Banker, my son here is signing this note for this car, but I know that he doesn't have established credit. And so I'm going to step in, and I'm going to cosign for him, and that means that if he ever comes up short for whatever reason... I will step in on his behalf and make up the difference. That's the word here. Where we come up short, we've gone as far as we can go. God in heaven will step in on our behalf and make up the difference. Isn't that wonderful? That's what happened in salvation, was it not? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We couldn't reach up to heaven. Heaven reached down to us. Christ stepped in on our behalf. He spanned the gulf between us and our Heavenly Father and He made up the difference. He took our unrighteousness and we gave Him our unrighteousness as He gave us His righteousness. That's what happened at the moment of salvation. Aren't you glad that God steps in? and makes up the difference on our behalf when we look to the Lord, when we trust Him. I want to encourage you tonight to make a note of this and remember this when you're going through some trouble, some trial, or some battle in your life. Look back with me in our text in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. I studied this passage of Scripture and I thought about some things and I want you to write this down tonight if you will. I'm going to use a word that I've kind of thought of, and, and uh, I feel like it's appropriate for this. I've not heard it before, but it's the word, a momenteer. I want to be a pioneer, but there are those who are momenteers. You know who they are? There are those who live in the moment, for the moment. All they can see is what is around them and what is right in front of them. They can't see anywhere beyond that by faith. They're momenteers. Someone has said the faithless talk about what they're going through but the faithful talk about what they are going to. This is where we're headed. We well, look at all that's going on. Look at all that we're facing. Look at all this setback a disappointment and challenge. That's what the faithless talk about, what they're going through, woe is me. But the faithful talk about what they're going to. You know what, we're going through this. We're going to what God has for us. We're going to press on and do what God wants done through the life and ministry of this church. The pioneer sees the prospect. The momenteer, momenteer sees the problems. They're quick to find fault, dismiss the efforts of others, and even miss the working of God. That's where they were. They had an evil report, the Bible says, given to them. The word evil report has a thought of to slander, to defame. These 10 unbelieving spies had slandered and defamed a God before his people. The fastest growing plague known to man is unbelief. Just like that, it leapfrogged from one to another and it spread throughout all oh, the congregation. Amazing, as they quivered and they said, we can't do this. Oh no, would to God we'd stay there in Egypt why did we even think that we could take on a task like this? Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? Oh, we better be careful when we go down this path of dismissing what God is doing. And when we dismiss it in unbelief, we miss it. I want you to think about this. As I studied this passage anew. you I thought about these 10 spies. Do you realize how much power you have for a wife or children or grandchildren or a church or a Sunday school class or someone else? Do you realize how much influence you have in their lives to either encourage them toward God or to discourage them away from God? Do you realize that? All the different opportunities you have to point people to the Lord or away from the Lord. I want you to think about that. We'll look at that more in just a moment. Number two, the pioneer looks forward by faith. The moment here looks back in unbelief. Hey, let's get us a leader and we'll go back. Isn't it amazing? They're willing to follow someone backwards instead of the one that God had raised up to lead them forward. I encourage you, dear people, I've been pastor at Shining Light Baptist Church by the grace of God for 32 years. It seems like we're always in a building program or at least fixing up the buildings we have. You know, it never stops. How many of you know what I'm talking about there? At least the staff does here. Isn't that right? It never stops. And yet, when I think about that, I think about all the different opportunities that God has given, and it's like we're always pressing forward, but then there are those who lose heart. They begin to grow weary, and I've seen this, the devil will always put someone in their path to lead them away from God, out of God's will, or backward instead of forward. I want to go forward, don't you? There's no other option for the true child of God who is living by faith with his or her eyes upon the Lord. Number three, the pioneer has to pay a price of God's choosing. There will be a price to pay, but the momenteer has a price to pay of his own choosing. Would to God, we had died in this wilderness. The Lord said, okay, I heard your prayer. Everybody 20 years old and upward will die an average of 41 funerals per day for 40 years. Imagine that. And here they were aimlessly wandering into chapter 14. Again and again, Joshua and Caleb were saying, Fear the Lord. Don't fear the people. In verse 9, they're bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. Remember again and again, whatever we face, the Lord of heaven is with us. When God is with us, that's all we need. When God is with us, there's always a path forward. When God is with us, if we come to a place to where we're stumped or we're stuck, what do we do? We humble ourselves before God and pray. We seek His face. We say, Lord, guide us. I think about all the prayer meetings we've had through the years. So many times would we pray and cry out to God. Even at this stage of my life in ministry, I've, I've just said, Lord, as best I know, I look back and I've tried to follow you with a whole heart, with a whole heart, Lord. All I wanted was your will. That's all I wanted. Can you say that tonight? Lord, as best I know, my heart is not divided. Lord, I'm not carrying some alt. Lord, there's not something or someone that is more important to me than you are. See, the Bible says, it's an amazing story as it unfolds. In chapter 14 and verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, underline that, another spirit. See, it was a spirit of faith. The thought here is one that is distinctively, diametrically opposed to their spirit of unbelief, their sight life. And by the way, that's in us all. That's who we are naturally. That's why we need to know the Lord and follow Him and walk with Him by faith so that we can live the supernatural life, the life of power and blessing, the life of miracles, he said he had another spirit with him, a spirit of faith and courage and confidence and obedience, and he hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land wherein he went, wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. You're not only deciding for people that you can discourage away from God, but you're deciding for people who you can encourage toward the Lord, and by your act of faith, the blessings can come upon generations to follow you. You know that God says that sin is so powerful that the effects of that sin can be felt unto the third and fourth generation. Think of that. Three and four generations later, they're still feeling the effects of a decision we make for bad. But what's so blessed about this is God says that if we will be faithful to the Lord, our obedience can be felt unto a thousand generations. Its effect is unending for the glory of God and the good of others. Oh, how we should choose wisely and choose well. Decide to live by faith. If we stumble, get back up, get our eyes on the Lord and behold Him and follow Him fully with a whole heart. You know, as we turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 1, I think it interesting. One writer said the Kadesh Barnea event is recorded in Numbers 14 and the New Testament commentaries, Hebrews 3 and 4. God warns against an evil heart of unbelief, an evil heart. Why is the sin of unbelief so evil? To begin with, unbelief makes God a liar and questions the dependability of his word. Our responsibility is not to question God, but to believe God and do what he commands. Unbelief wastes time. An 11-day journey turned into 40 years of wandering and death. Unbelief robs us of God's best blessings. God cared for his people those 40 years, but how much more he would have done had they claimed their inheritance. When you come to these Kadesh Barnea places in your pilgrimage. Don't look around at the problems and dangers. Look up to the God who is leading you and walk by faith. Are we going to walk by faith? If you come to Deuteronomy here, they're about to go into the land of promise. The 40 years of wandering is complete and now Moses, before he goes off the scene, is going to rehearse to them the law of God, the giving again of God's law, a reminder of who God is and what He's done, what they had done and how they had erred and how God had showed them mercy. And now that this wandering was over, the steps that God wanted them to take going forward. But just in a brief summary, I want you to get this and I'll close. As he rehearses this matter of believing God and this place of Kadesh Barnea into Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19 and following. He says in verse 21 Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be what? Would you underline that? Neither be discouraged. He said, Don't be discouraged. The word discouraged here means to prostrate, to break down by confusion or fear, in essence, to bow before. Let me ask you, who's going to have authority over your life? Fear? Some person or some group of people? What others think, what others say? Will you bow before them? No, I'm not going to do that. I I don't want to hear the pushback. I don't want to hear the doubt. I don't want to hear the indictment. I I don't want to face that. So you're going to bow before them instead of God? See, that's a discouraged heart. He said, don't be discouraged. Don't bow before anyone or anything other than me as your God, God was saying to his people. I think it interesting here. You get down to verse 28. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren, underline this, hath discouraged our heart. These ten spies, they came back with this evil report, this slanderous report. They defamed God and even his servants as opposed to glorifying God, which means to lift up God, to elevate God, to beautify God. Rather than saying our God is able, they're saying by default these giants are so big and we're no match for them. Our God is not able. You say, I would never say that, Pastor. You might not say it with your lips, but will you say it with your life and with your attitude and with your influence upon others? Well, we have to think about this. Because the word discouraged here, I think it's interesting. It literally means a different word to liquefy, as in to waste, to faint, to wear down and weary with fatigue, fear, or grief, to discouraged, to discourage or melt away. Isn't it amazing? There's a lot of people when they hear others criticize and complain and doubt, their heart literally just melts. Their resolve melts. Their enthusiasm melts. That's why our adversary, he wants to discourage you. Can I say this very lovingly and very kindly? I believe just as a part of the family. I listen to you every Sunday at 5 o'clock, all right? We start at 6. And I have to be honest, Pastor, I'm listening to the music leader, okay? I'm thinking, praise God. By the time you're getting ready to preach is the time I'm getting ready to preach, all right? But God has a work for this church, an unusual work. He's opened an unusual door here. You see this. It is a spiritual work. It is a work of God. If it is a work of God, there is an adversary who will oppose it. And one of the great ways he'll oppose it is trying to discourage you. Try to cause you to take your eyes off the Lord, get them on each other, your circumstance, your insufficiency. Do you remember there when Nehemiah was saying, hey, let us rise up and build these walls. They're reproached to us and there's a job that needs to be done. And the people said, we'll rise up and build with you. And they went after it. And after a while, the Bible says, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. And they said, we're not able. We're not able to finish this. He said, remember the Lord. What we can't do, our God can. I know we're tired and we're weary, but we've got to take heart. I mean, they had an adversary that was working against them time and again, Sanballat and buy and all those guys. They were mocking them, belittling them, making fun of them. They said, you're going to just have people rise up against you. Ten times they came to them and said, no one's really with you and everybody's going to work against you. And so they could have lost heart there. Four times they said, come down off the wall in the plain of, oh, no, we'll just meet there and talk about this thing, try to discourage him. Ten times just kept coming, stop, stop. Nobody supports this around you. Nobody's with you, Nehemiah. Hey, you little workers, anything you get done won't last anyway. If a fox just walked on it, it would crumble. The devil will belittle what you're trying to do for God. He'll try to minimize it in your mind. You know what I've learned about the adversary? If he can talk something down to you in your mind and in your spirit, in the work of God, it's just a matter of time before he talks you out of it. It's no big deal. It's not important. I mean, who do you think you are to think God could use someone like you? See, so he talked it down, and then he talks you out of it. Let's be reminded, dear friend, that opportunity that God in heaven gave you, that you despise the day, today like Esau did, you'll desire tomorrow. You'll would God you had it back. And I'm saying don't let the devil discourage you, don't let someone who gets crossways. don't let someone who gets their eyes off the Lord influence you to turn aside or to lose heart with what God has for you, because it is greater than you. It's a God thing. It's something that God wants to do through a yielded, faith-filled people, and will if we'll follow him, fully with our whole heart. And when it gets done, of all people, we'll know who did it, right? We'll know who gets the glory. This is something we could have never done in and of ourselves, but we looked to the God of heaven who can do all things and look what God has done. Oh, that day's coming. Oh, if we'll just humble ourselves before the Lord, if we'll just follow him fully with a whole heart. Oh, there'll be discouragements along the way. There'll be setbacks. I remember some years ago, someone told me a report of something that someone had done and it literally melted my heart. I fell back in my chair in my study at church and I said, surely not. God have mercy. I almost took my breath away. I mean, it knocked the wind out of me spiritually. I said, surely not. I don't know what we're going to face in life. I don't know what I'm going to face. We're pressing on. We're believing God for things and... And uh, boy, the battle sometimes has been so intense. I've told Rebecca, there have been seasons where it seems like the perfect storm had hit literally from every angle imaginable. Every angle we got hit. It's like, wow, where did this come from? Lord, where are you? What are you doing? In that time, we learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord and take hold of His promise and make sure our eyes were upon Him and if we stumble to get back up and humble ourselves before the Lord and ask God for wisdom and grace because get this, and I close, Uh, of all these things, He said, now uh, the Lord's going to take me on home, but Joshua's going to go before you in verse 38 and notice it says here, He shall go in thither, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit. Would you underline that? He shall cause Israel to inherit, encouraging. Be with the leader that God has chosen and raised up among you. He's not perfect. He's not without fault, but he's God's chosen. Love him, pray for him, support him, encourage him, follow him. The word encouragement here is found, think about it, encourage. is only four times in the Bible that word encourage. Twice about Joshua, it means to fasten upon to seize, to be strong, courageous, to strengthen, to lift someone up, to strengthen them, to speak faith into their lives. Let me ask you, would you consider yourself someone who looks at things and says, wow, boy, this is a great challenge here. But we got a great God. And preacher, I know it's not going to be easy. As long as the Lord's with us, He'll make a way. And all of God's people said. Amen. Do you believe that? Well, there's been times when I thought, I don't know what we're going to do. Or where we're going to turn. I remember stopping there at Crown years ago when they were trying to get that new campus done. And I asked Dr. Sexton, I said, how's it going? He said, well, let me just be honest with you if I can. I said, help yourself. He said, we're at the point, Tim, to where if someone drove by here, saw this building pulled up and offered me one dollar for this whole place, I'd take it. And he was serious. I reached for my wallet, all right? One dollar? He said, we're tired. He said, I'm telling you, we're tired. We are spent. That's where we're at. But we know it's the Lord's will. Somehow we just got to get it done. He said, we're at the place where the feeling, the excitement, the anticipation of getting it all done and using it, that's long gone. He said, Tim, we're at the point to where you have to simply will it done. I like when the excitement's there, aren't you? Don't you? Don't you like it when we're all ready to go and seeing God work? What about the setback, the disappointment, the delay? How many of us tonight are not dealing with supply chain issues? (laughs) Isn't that right? We ordered two buses earlier in the year. They said September. Then they said October. And then they called us this week and said, it's December now. And I'm thinking, Lord, please let us get them this school year. I don't know what we're gonna face. I don't know what you're gonna face individually as a family or as a church family. But I wanna tell you this tonight. You won't face it alone. There's a God in heaven who'll face it with you. The challenge is great. It's greater than any of us, but it's not greater than our God. They said, encourage Joshua, encourage him, strengthen him, lift him up, pray for him, pull for him. In every way you can help him, because in helping him, you're helping yourself and your loved ones. If the one that God Places among us to point us to him and to lead us in the path that he has chosen. If he is helped, we are helped. If he's encouraged, we're encouraged. Years ago, I was preaching in different meetings in different places, and my father-in-law said this. He said, Tim, when you go in and preach a meeting, do everything you can to encourage the pastor and his family. He said, God only knows some of the battles they face and a lot of things that they cannot talk about openly and never would, he said "But understand this, if you encourage a pastor and his family, you encourage the whole church. Isn't that right? We ought to have that attitude among us. Hey, when everyone else wins, I win. When we all win, our children, our seed, our grandchildren, all those who come after us, they win too. We're going to do this for God. We're going to do this for His glory but we're going to do it for those who come after us. With our eyes upon him, doing what he's given us to do. Someone said a moment of prayerful reflection can prevent a lifetime of bitter regret. Stop and pray about it. Don't speak, don't act in unbelief, in anger. Humble yourself before the Lord. There's a verse in the Bible that's, given five times this exact way. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. I thought it was interesting. The other night, I just uh, was sitting there, and I came across some TED Talks on YouTube. How many of you have heard a TED Talk, all right? There are many of them are really interesting, and then some of them were just, they're interesting, you know? It's like... Okay, but this one caught my attention, had over a million views, and this young guy is saying, how to become your own life coach. I thought, I'll listen to that, I got a moment here, and he's telling about different things, and then he says, his teacher told him one day, he said, I've never seen a 15-year-old young man more angry than you. He said, so I thought, I gotta change my attitude. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be Mr. Cool. He painted the big letters on his bedroom wall, C-O-O-L. He walked down the hallway at school and he tried to project his coolness, he said. It didn't take him very long for him to realize that he was just not cool. (laughs) And he thought, what am I going to do? And he talks about some different things, but here was his bottom line. He said, then I came across this thought. I'm going to purposefully... Three times every day, show gratitude to someone about something. Three times a day. I'm going to thank someone for something. And he said, I started doing that, and it literally changed my life. It changed my life. Boy, did that speak to me. Troubles, I have them. You have them. Well, we could talk about what we're going through right now or we can get our eyes back on the Lord and talk anew about what we're going to. We're going to what God has for us. We're going to lay hold of all that God has given us. Hey, there's a price to pay when you don't follow the Lord, right? Forty years wandering in the wilderness. Think of all who died. There's a price to pay if you do follow the Lord. They had to bear that same unbelief and its consequence, but... The 40 years passed, and what did Caleb say? Hey, you remember that mountain you promised me and my family, those who come after me, my seed? After all these years, I still want it. I still want what God has for me. And I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've faced. I don't know what God wants to do altogether in this place, but I'm going to tell you, it's an unusual opportunity God's giving you. And I believe God has led in this message, and God wants us to take it to heart tonight and take hold of His promise. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.